talking Jeff Bullock, the Australian singer-songwriter and author, and uh, uh, author of the book Hands of Grace, to the microphone. You there, Jeff? Yes, Mel. How are you? Not too bad. Sorry we're a little late, but <clears throat> we got involved in a number of calls that were pretty profound for the people the, who were wrestling with things, so we felt we had to stay with them. No, anyway, not a, problem, right? not a problem at all. I'm actually sitting up watching the Commonwealth Games. So. <laughs> and how are we going? I believe we've uh, scored about ten of, or oh, eight of the possible ten gold medals in the pool. Yes, something like that. It's, it's actually been, uh, I'm not a, a great sports watcher, but it's been a wonderful day for Australia, what with the uh, Patrick Rafter and Mark Philippersis and the uh, the team at the Commonwealth Games. is quite extraordinary. Well, and, and in other places too. Our rowers in Cologne are doing well, and uh, our javelin thrower, and I think in South Africa is doing well. There's something remarkable happening. Well, it's wonderful when Aussies are winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say, I backed the storm today, and uh, they didn't do so well, but they've had a great year. Well, I'm a Knights man, and I'm very disappointed about yesterday. <laughs> okay, and of course, we're uh, talking from Melbourne, and this is a foreign religion. We might have a, a religious crusade happening against us if we're not careful. Yes, I should anyway, be careful here, yes. Yeah, one of the things I uh, we've kind of been looking at tonight is uh, in all these fresh faces of these sports people, uh, with a name like Kowalski and so forth, but they're Australian, aren't they? Something of our spirit is in all their faces somehow. This is the emerging Australia as we move to the next millennium, and I think we're trying to find our voice. But hasn't that been part of your journey? Yes, it's. I've um, I've I've sort of I've always been an an Aussie at heart. There's just something. Mm very Aussie about me. I'm, uh, I'm a sort of a middle baby boomer, born in the mid-50s, and grew up in, I suppose, what we would remember of the Australia of the 60s, mm. uh, the beginning of um, migration, but really English roots. But in the last 10, 15 years, uh, as I've travelled widely, have just enjoyed the emerging colours and emerging oh. colours uh, colors and cultures of what it is to be Australian. And yeah. especially when you think that really that we we are all immigrants. This yeah. this nation has been built out of uh, out of immigration, built on the foundation of our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. Oh. But we are all Im- immigrants and so we, we all share eventually a home that is somewhere else. At least roots it somewhere else. Oh. But, but I don't feel like an immigrant. No, I don't. I, I'm I, a son of the soil. I'm I'm proudly native-born Australian. It's a uh, I uh, I <laughs> I think one of the most profound um, experiences that made me really uh, notice my Australian roots, and it ha- it happened to me in the most in the strangest place. I was in Auckland celebrating uh, 25 years of the work of David and Dale Garrett in scripture and song to uh, famous um, Christian songwriters and publishers. And they were celebrating uh, the multicultural uh, elements of, of worship and faith. And um, a young Australian didgeridoo player got up and played his didgeridoo. Mm. And I found myself, I just, I broke down with the sound of this, I, th- I suppose one of the most pure Australian sounds, mm. evoked in me something that was very deep and very spiritual, that was a link back to being... a an Australian for all that that meant, and that mm. was not just 40 years, it's, mm. it's more like a heritage that's deep within me. 
It wasn't Adrian Ross by any chance. Adrian Ross, as I was struggling for a name. Yeah. Well, I was with Adrian in Coventry Cathedral. Oh, how wonderful. And he had his dig out. And, of course, it was designed uh, for pipe organs. Mm. So when he got his dig going, it's the ultimate pipe of a pipe organ. Yes, of course, yes. The whole cathedral resonated. And there were people from all over the world, but this ancient tone mm. and something, as you say, of his own spirit comes through. Mm. And in that great cathedral, there was something profoundly sacred and everybody had tears in their eyes. It, there is something intensely moving about, um, about that instrument. And uh, I, um, the way Adrian combines it, the musicality of it by varying the pitch... Mm. Uh, with the, the special design of his instrument, uh, it is an extraordinary. I'm uh, when I first heard it, I, I, I thought how wonderfully innovative and how um, <laughs> exciting. I, 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 to be honest, I, I'm I'm hoping for far more mm. um, from Adrian's art. Yeah, well, he's uh, got some CDs that are selling like mad, particularly overseas. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, but but what I love is Jeff. You see, I think you and Adrian. And uh, even the Tap Dogs, and they've got a show in Melbourne called Steel City. Mm. I think there is something emerging as we're starting to think our own thoughts, feel our own feelings, and celebrate our own spirits in the context of the creation we find ourselves in. That's true, Matt. And I, I, I think that we've had this cultural chip on our shoulder for such a long time. And we have... We have sort of borrowed our culture, um, and then we've rejoiced in in other nations' heroes mm. as if there was something to be ashamed or a second-handness to mm. who we are. And yet I think there's emerging from the Australian heart. Uh, and I wouldn't be the surprise if it's sort of coming because a number of the issues that we are being forced to address, issues that perhaps we wanted to keep hidden in the back cupboard, that are now coming into the national arena and we're having to talk about it and admit that as Aussies we, we have to do a bit of journeying and we have to work through things that are fundamental to our makeup and, and to grow as a nation we have to find our way through them that I think there's an emerging sense of hey hold on a second we can stand our ground here because we are many people we're, we are not just looking back on the past and preserving something that reminds us of images of the opening of the Harbour Bridge or something but there is an Australia that is emerging as people have adopted this land and added to it with their culture, as well as we reflect back to the, the images that have been preserved to us through the mm. Aboriginal nation, that there mm. is a cosmopolitan potpourri and smorgasbord of colour and language and style that is now becoming uniquely Australian. And you sing it in everything, whether it's our music mm. or an emerging cuisine or an art or Ken Duncan's mm. work. It's a strong, identifiable culture. Mm. And we, we're not broadcasting it, but we're not hiding it anymore. No, no there's a new confidence. Now, I, uh, I don't know even if you know this. Are you familiar with Integrity Music? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, they nearly went broke, but it was the Australian product mm. that uh, helped them survive. I met with one of their songwriters over there when I was there this time last year. I know it was Easter this year, as a matter of fact. And your work in particular, and others' work from Australia. And uh, I remember being in an Anglican uh, church in Edmonton, Canada, mm -hmm. and they were singing your music so oh, wholeheartedly. 
that's ex- that's, that's an extraordinary feeling. It's um, Mal, I'm an, I'm an interesting bag for um, in in the in the industry because I'm not known for my performance. Uh, oh. I'm not the the man that stands in a spotlight and dazzles people with charisma and flashing teeth. Um, I'm known for my music, and it's really that the music has gone out and songs that were written privately at a piano as I was trying to work through my faith and and the faithfulness of God and the unfaithfulness of Jeff. Oh. Songs that were very privately and intimately my songs somehow have found a way to become other people's songs until my songs are known probably primarily by for being sung by others. <laughs> uh, one song in particular, which is the great Southland of the Holy oh. Spirit, which has had a, quite an impact on Australians and Christianity, it's most known for being sung by Steve Grace. Oh. And so it's, a, it's an amazing thought that I, I sit here and the songs have their own journey and have their own impact. Well, I know of a bunch of Canadians who are bewildered by that song, Great South Land of the Holy Spirit, for obvious reasons. Mm. You know, they're the land of the Northern Lights. Yes. They want to sing it, but they can't. Mm. And, and I love that. <laughs> yes, well, some yep. people asked me to rewrite the lyrics, and I, I've eventually drawn the line and said, no, I, I think that, um, that it's a song that is uniquely Australian, mm. uh, and it certainly reflects my Australianism if that's the right word, mm. by Australianness, and to suddenly turn it into a template for other nations wouldn't be right. But Mal, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling with that song at the moment, and I need to mm. talk to some Aboriginal brothers and sisters, mm. because I feel that the second line, uh, it goes, this is our nation, but when I say this is our land, mm. I, I, I would almost like permission from Aboriginal elders, mm. uh, and... I even perhaps even further to go and ask for a little forgiveness that I may have been blind to the sensitivity uh, and the ignorance that perhaps what I was saying hadn't necessarily been thought through a little. Mm. And I'm trying to journey through that, mate, to be honest. Well, that's very interesting because uh, I am keen to encourage all Aussies to start uh, asking the question, OK, we are living now. What was the Aboriginal tribe that was there? When yeah. you travel into Melbourne or Sydney, how many tribal boundaries do you travel over? Mm. Not to feel guilty, but to get in touch with the rest of the story that is our story. That's right. And then to move on from here as we move into f- uh, Centenary of Federation with a new awareness so we can all say, this is our home. That, that's it. This is our home, which we have built on their land until we all share the stewardship of their land, uh, until it becomes our land. But I, I have a, a little dream, and I don't know what to do with it, Mel, but I, I would love... We in Sydney have a lot of historical sites, and they're marked by little plaques or little signs saying this is where the first post office was or this is where the first hospital was. I would love signs to be... Uh, erected all over Sydney, all over the nation, that said this was the land of the such-and-such tribe, and this was their meeting place, and this was one of their burial grounds. Now, it's under under metres of concrete and asphalt now, but a sense that we, we then we go back and recognise, look, this was uh, this spot, and it was oh. it was sacred for generations, for thousands of years, just so that we can then... Well, on our, on, our, on our brothers and sisters. Well, uh, there's a verse in the old book, you'll find it in Isaiah, that says, return to the quarry from whence you were hewn. Mm. There's something about going back uh, to the beginning of the narrative, and even previous the narrative, even within our own lives, going mm. back to the hospital I was born in, uh, the infant school I went to. 
but even as a culture to go back to where it all began. Uh, not to stay there, but to reposition ourselves. And uh, what I would love to do, and this is what we're talking uh, with certain education departments about, putting up on the World Wide Web all the various tribes and then encouraging school kids to go back and discover all of the things you're mentioning. But then, about the arrival of the first post office, the first pioneers, the first church, and celebrate it all, uh, but where there has been disasters and injustices, face them all the way through and then write them into an honest story so we can uh, position ourselves. You know, uh, places like Parramatta, Woolloomooloo and around Melbourne, there are places uh, where Batman first hopped off the boat and signed a deal with the Aboriginal people. Let's relive it and face it. Yes. But then move on from here into the future that's ours to have together, I think, don't you? I, I, I think that's so true, and we're, we're, we're entering a significant date. We, oh. We're not just celebrating the end of a decade, we're celebrating the end of a century. As we celebrate the end of the century, we, we as, a, as a world, as a people, are going to ask many cultures to identify their rights and wrongs of their culture of the century. Uh, we have done it with uh, the Japanese, we've done it with the Germans... Um, in, in view of the, of the world wars. But as we look at the millennium, we as Australians have to be honest with our heritage as well. Otherwise, we, we can't on one hand demand it of uh, the Japanese emperor oh. and the Japanese people to be honest about their history with the Germans um, or ourselves with our own war crimes. We have to look at the war crimes that sit within uh, the establishment of Australia well, be honest about it. Yeah, well, I think we do, but I think we're going to find it's a mixed story and it's not all bad, and there's been some really good intentions, but the intentions still didn't work out too well. Mm. Uh, and I think, I think there are some shadows that we're fearing. Some of us don't want to look there because we think we're going to hear accusation. Uh, some of us want to look there because we want resolution. But we need some sturdy muzzlers to take us on the journey and it, it will not uh, disintegrate us, it will not destroy us, it will reposition us, and I think it will give us a new sense of uh, courage to move on from here. But anyway, Jeff, I believe you've written something like 170 songs to this point, is that right? Oh, Mel, I, I actually think it's probably closer to, um, well, over 200 now. It's, um, <laughs> it's a strange thing. It's, music has, uh, has been just a... Uh, a tool of communication for me for mm. for my whole life, and it's it's something that I suppose has just developed along the lines of all my communications skills or uh, abilities. And I find that that especially in times of crisis and pain mm. and dilemma, that that music has become a wonderful tableau for me to to work through. Uh, the vividness of those colours mm. and some of the darkness uh, as it's con then confronted with truth and to, to work through the consequences of that. And so I found, and certainly in the last three or four years, there has been an absolute flood of material. Mm. And um, uh, we're, we're just starting on a new album that uh, will be released sort of towards the middle of next year, which is, I'd say, s songs of a new journey, songs mm. of new beginnings. Okay. And... Uh, but it's, 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 it's been an extraordinary uh, 
extraordinary life so far, and I'm I'm looking forward to the second half. Okay. Well, what what I find interesting, you see, uh, you were with us in the forecourt of the Opera House. Mm. Remember, in 1994. Well, Wonderful. The BBC couldn't believe that Australians, you know, these children of the convicts, because that's how they still see us. <laughs> and when they heard we were doing it, uh, London told their correspondent here to come and get a shot of these Australians, the children of the convicts, singing hymns they'd written themselves. And they couldn't believe it. And I don't know if I've ever told you, but they ran that story, prime time news in London, because they they watch uh, Neighbours twice a day on BBC TV. Oh, dear. (laughs) And isn't that haunting? But you'll remember we sang uh, some of your songs and Mm -hmm. we released the balloons and it was a magnificent shot with the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and uh, it made great impact in England, I believe. Well, that's an extraordinary... That's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Because it was a wonderful day. I can still remember as we all stood uh, towards the side of the stage and we watched a stream of people marching across the bridge until the whole bridge was a single ribbon of, I think they might have been yellow, I've forgotten the colour oh. of the balloons that came across yes, the bridge. Yes, it was a yellow bunch. Yellow balloons. But then we watched them come down Macquarie Street and then they came from somewhere else and all of a sudden what seemed a, tr- a huge expanse to fill with people, you suddenly looked at the people and then you looked at the space that we'd reserved for them and you suddenly thought, they're not going to fit. It was a wonderful day, wasn't it? Yes, and they didn't fit. No, they didn't. And uh, what what is wonderful, uh, in my view, you couldn't spot the Catholics or the Baptists or the Pentecostals. They were just Australians who had come to celebrate, in your words, had given their hearts a song to sing that was their song. Yes. What's it like for you to sense that, that people are singing your words but singing it with their hearts? Oh, well, it's a... The emotions go very deep, and um, I find it very humbling. Uh, and I, I eventually find tremendous difficulty to link me to my work these days. Um, I'm very much aware of who I am, um, and I don't feel particularly special. I just maybe have an honest gift to be able to spin a good yarn together musically. But then I look at the, the, the work that that material does, and it, it, it is, I can't, I can't connect it. It, mm. it is the stranger sight. And so, in a way, I suppose it's like having famous children. You eventually let them go into their fame and, and enjoy it without feeling the responsibility. And that's the only way I can look at it, I suppose. I see these songs as children that have gone off and, and had their own fame, and I, I don't feel necessarily connected to it. Well, what I love is uh, they're having a nice time travelling around the world. Yes, well, they're much more travel than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've turned up here, there and everywhere, and songs that were born in your heart and mind, and we both know, born out of some bewilderment sometimes. Mm. Isn't that right? That's right. Well, most definitely. And I think, I think that part of my journey uh, is a responsibility to be honest. Mm. And uh, one of the issues that I'm... I'm passionate about these days is grace. Mm. And the more and more I, I look at grace, I find that it sometimes it takes the recognition of one's villainy to really see grace. If you see grace from the point of being a victim, uh, well, victims sort of feel like they deserve grace. 
but villains can't get over the fact that they've received it, and mm. then it becomes a gift. Mm. And so we, in a way, have to refer back to our sense of guilt and shame and failure. And I'm not talking about one man, I'm talking about all of us in the mm. end. Because then you see grace as something we don't deserve, not mm. something we do deserve, yep. but something that has to be a gift and therefore it becomes all the more marvellous. And those themes are now working themselves very strongly into all I write, whether it's a song or as I, mm. I venture to write books. I find it interesting, probably, uh, outside of the Christmas carols, the uh, the song nearest to him that Aussies love the most, and, and I, I still can't get out of my mind that uh, John Farnham singing this with Vanetta Fields is Amazing Grace. Yes, isn't that Isn't, isn't that, that interesting? And, and yet, if you listen to the words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's right. Uh, and it was written by this really horrible fellow who was a slave trader, but uh, who, who uh, couldn't escape from the, uh, the ugliness of his past life. But he writes this song that the whole world sings. Isn't that interesting? And it is, because I suppose in it, is, there's no pretense. Mm. The, the songwriter is not putting himself on a pedestal and, and then mo uh, uh, modelling his spiritual integrity or his spiritual methodology. Rather, he's, he's staying in his hole and pointing, I suppose it's a bit like Tony Bullimore, who I imagine would rave incessantly about a rubber ducky in the middle of the Southern Ocean. And we now remember Tony Bullimore, the, the English yachtsman, not mm. for being a sailor. We remember him for the bloke that got rescued. Mm. And I think Amazing Grace is that the same sense of wonder that yep. you obviously, you have to look to the grace because the writer... Uh, is writing from that perspective. He's a wretch. <laughs> well, what I'm loving, uh, and I'm seeing it from a different perspective because I have travelled the world and I've heard people, I've heard a saxophone solo on BBC London of one of your songs. Oh, you, really? Absolutely. That's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Well, these, are, these are stories I don't know. Mm. And, and here you are, probably, in terms of the normal uh, recording media and public not so well known but in terms of songs that people are singing and becoming standards i've got to say they've come from your struggle yes and if and i that's a lovely way to put it yes songs that come from my struggle and therefore songs that i hope will be will become uh, well um, an oasis to other people's struggles and I suppose that's why I'm compelled to write from that perspective. It's, it's for the sake of the others who, who don't have songs yet, oh. but need to have a song. And I think that's where we are as a culture. We started out this evening talking to a Stephen Bamber Albert, an Aboriginal fellow who's uh, playing a, a, a lead role in an Aussie musical called Corrugation Road. Mm -hmm. And uh, we looked at Aboriginality trying to make sense of itself, struggling out of uh, schizophrenia, mm. uh, but being a model for all of us. And then an Ann Johnson, who's a communicator and mediator, trying to get harmony out of divergent points of views. But we're trying to find in the midst of this, where is the Australian spirit? I think we're still, we're making the transition from Walsing Matilda, I think, yes. uh, to a song for the new millennium where we can all sing it together. That one, uh, we are one, but we are many, is heading in the right direction, isn't it? Mm. But I think we're looking for a song, but it's got to come deeply from within uh, maybe a wounded spirit that's found the source of healing and grace, maybe. And I think that perhaps is a key. I know 
we touched on before when we say that we are nervous to open the box or open the book and look. Oh. We're worried that we may open a Pandora's box and have a, an explosion. But I think in that sense of, of, of discovering the wounded spirit and, oh. and the flawed, sometimes honest mistakes, sometimes callous indifference, sometimes naive innocence and sometimes the scheming of it all. But we all come to see the regret of it and then the longing to all journey towards some sort of reconciliation and truth mm. that where we all are prepared to carry the scars, mm. uh, whatever part we had to play. And rather than justifying our actions, together look forward to uh, not repeating the, mm. the sad frailties. Absolutely. Jeff, it's been great speaking with you. Mel, it's been great speaking to you too. Good catching up with you again. Take care, mate.